Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. Now, in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you scale your hosting business by getting you out of the daily operations, which frees up time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager. Focus on high-level tasks that really move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com slash X. We we are starting our next class in a few weeks' time. So if you want to grow your business, then uh, go ahead and apply. Uh, We'll get on a call with you to see if the program is the right fit for you. And if so, we'll enroll you in our next class that starts February 28th. So check out strlegends.com slash X. Now let's dive into today's episodes. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Welcome, everybody. To another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad today, I have a friend and somebody who is, has been on the podcast before. Actually, episode number two hundred, which we recorded in October two thousand seventeen, so almost five years ago. His name is Toby Dor- Dore. Is it Toby Dore or is it Toby Dore? Dore, yeah. Dore, Dore. I said it right. Boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> awesome. Toby is the founder of Cajun Stays out of Louisiana. He's a full-time sports psychology professor at the University of Louisiana as well. He also has a travel blog, Cajun Traveler. You and I have actually met in Amsterdam or or, yeah, it was in Amsterdam, was it? Like a couple of years ago. And the topic for today is how how to transition to 30-day plus stays. That's a tactic that Toby used during the COVID pandemic, actually, just to keep his business alive. And he's now having some of his apartments, putting them back on the 30 day, 30 plus day stays because it's the fastest growing category on Airbnb. So it's definitely potential there to start doing that model. So he's also, he was also in the first class of Legends X and he's the co-author of a book that recently came out called The Hospitable Hosts. And he has over 5,000 reviews on Airbnb. So... Toby, I'm excited. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Jasper. Man, it's almost five years ago that we chatted last time. A lot has happened since. Yeah, quite a bit. So one of the things that I recall about, you know, being on the podcast way back in 2017, was it right? And, That's right. And then we, you know, we, we would message each other every now and then. I know I got heavily involved here in the city, I remember getting involved. They were trying to figure out how to collect taxes and I got into a, a lawsuit and they just kind of basically pinned, pinned me down because I was advertising, had all this stuff going on. And and then the pandemic hit. And that's when I really remember reaching back out to you and you were like, look, we got this program going. 
called Legends X. And, you know, the immediate impact that I had was that when we started the program, you know, within the first few weeks, if anyone who's got had a company during that time, when Airbnb canceled all of our reservations, and I think we were about 12 properties at the time, something like that. We, we, we added about four more just over the course of Legends X because we were already working on some other properties. But the topic came up of thinking about temporarily converting to 30-day leases. And so that's one of the things that really helped us out a lot, saved us, was that as we were scaling in, in a number of ways, because not only were, were we able to sec- secure some people they were wanting to quarantine some of the people. Some of the people were coming in town. And I th- we got about four long-term bookings really quickly through that strategy. We hired an attorney. We paid about $2,000 for this attorney. It was something that he had never written up before. And we basically said, look, if anybody comes to us and wants to book 30 days of more, then they have to sign the contract, pay a security deposit. But it was unique because they could book as little as one month and as as much as 12 months or more. And then the lease, they had to, again, they had to put down a security deposit, but we continued to pay all the bills, keep all the furniture. We had a little checklist for smaller items like coffee makers and even like a mattress or something like that. We would just scratch it off the lease and then... But if they moved out, you know, the, according to the lease, if they moved out before the six months or four months or whatever they asked us to write on the lease, then they would lose their security deposit because we were blocking our Airbnb calendar. We didn't want to move furniture out because we wanted them to be ready. You know, if they decided to move out early or even when they finished their lease in one day, we wanted to convert that back to a short term rental. Mm-hmm. And so it worked out really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. And as I mentioned, the 30 plus day stays is the fastest growing category on Airbnb right now. And I think, you know, with all the flexibility that people have with a lot of companies allowing their, their workers to be remote, I think that might, that might only increase in the future, right? Where people are going to decide to live more of a nomadic lifestyle where they're traveling and staying in different places for a couple of months at a time. That could be, you know, that definitely could be a very popular lifestyle in in the next in, in the near future. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who are interested in kind of exploring the the 30 plus day stays. So I want to talk talk about some of the some of the pros and the cons of of transitioning, and then also like what do people have to keep in mind when they transition. So one thing is you mentioned the contract. You need to have a contract because the first thing that comes to my mind is, okay, if you if you let somebody stay for over 30 days, in a lot of places, that will give them tenant rights, which means that it might be hard. You're putting yourself into... It, there's some risk of that person not leaving, essentially, right? Was that a concern for you? One of the things that I didn't even realize when we went through the contracts is that if you during the pandemic, there were laws here in the United States where you couldn't evict anyone who had a lease because a lot of these people lost their jobs due to the pandemic. And so there was no kind of like decisions being made or anything. There weren't any. No one was going to court over this. It was just you didn't have to pay your utilities. You didn't have to pay your rent. Fortunately, we didn't have any issues. 
I took on a client near the end of the pandemic who was doing both short-term rental and 30-day leases. He was not making people sign leases. He was just basically taking the cash. And, and then when the pandemic hit, it created some major problems for him. He actually had to go and go to, he actually had to go to court. And what they told him to do was to turn off all the electricity and the utility bills. And, and it actually worked, but they were like, legally, we cannot evict these people. I didn't have those problems. And I don't know if there was maybe better vetting of the people. Like I said, this guy didn't, he didn't even make people sign a lease. And so I think that helped us out a lot. And then we were kind of just talking a little bit before. It's interesting. After the pandemic, we were able to kind of, uh, even before it really officially ended and travel even opened up, we, we started going back to complete completely short term until just a few weeks ago. We started to see a steep decline in Lafayette here in the summertime. You know, the average temperatures are around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Humidity is in 80, 90 percent. So there's and there's not a lot of events and things going down, going on. We've had a lot of, of course, things. If you any anybody watches the economy right now and gas prices, at least for Americans, is high. And so traveling is is has really started to drop down. And so first thing that I did was I went and found that lease and I got three of my apartments booked in about three days. Wow. Where, where do you get the leads? Do you get them from Airbnb? Zillow. There is a, there's a website called Zillow that we use. They actually have a process where the applicant has to actually apply because this, this site is set up for long-term rental, unfurnished, you know, not your typical thing that we do, short-term rental. But it's it's versatile to the point where we were able to do it. So they've got to put their income in and they've got to answer some questions. And that, I think, helped out with your, your previous questions. So that's what we did. We already had our, our places set up on Zillow. We didn't even have to redo them. We went up on the prices a little bit, but on the rates, but on the monthly rates, but that's where we found 100% of also you know i've been in this community doing this for 9 years now so i do get a lot of facebook messenger messages from friends or friends of friends that happens quite frequently as well interested in doing something long term and then obviously you know what i'm interested in is what you said you mentioned airbnb and how that's becoming very popular the 30 days or more but you know, the fees is what, what I'm curious about. If you're paying fees on a percentage for, for two nights, three nights a week, that's one thing. But two months, you know, the way that's calculated, it makes a big difference when you when you don't go through the OTAs in, in that situation. Yeah. So I'm interested to see if those policies are already changed or if you know if they are if they're planning on doing anything to, to reduce those booking fees. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I mean, I've personally rented Airbnbs for like, you know, anywhere between one and three months. But I would always I would always try to find the contact person. You know, so the only the only times I've booked it on Airbnb was when I couldn't I couldn't find the contact information of the owner. And usually when people list on Airbnb, if they list for like 30 days or more, if they list for, you know, like a couple months. 
usually they'll leave there's some clues on the listing or on the profile that it's not blatantly obvious, but like, you know, if you do a little bit of of searching, you can usually find the person. Because you're right. I mean, it's a I remember I I booked a an apartment in Hong Kong for like two months, maybe like three months. Mm-hmm. And it was like three thousand dollars a month, I think. And yeah, I ended up paying like two grand or something in Airbnb fees or something, Airbnb. Like that, which was yeah. which was crazy to me, but it, it was the only thing I could find. So yeah, yeah. And then you know, and of course, with when you have the situation where you're you're booking through Airbnb, it's it's comfortable for the host and there. But I mean, it's gonna be hard to compete if there are other people doing the same thing as you that are doing something like like I'm doing. Where I mean, they have to pay a security deposit. I don't even charge because you know this is interesting, and I'm not sure if if our attorney it was his idea or something that I thought about. But we only charge half the security deposit half of the month because it's short term rental. Because they're doing two, three, four months. If their rent is say a thousand bucks a month, then we only charge a five hundred dollars security deposit. Mm, sure, and and that helps a lot. I mean, I know that like if I had to go out, I, I've been owning a house now for 18 years, but but I've signed some leases. So when I when I arbitrage a unit, you know, you know this. I, I mean, I travel six to eight months out of the year overseas. I traveled even more during COVID than I did before COVID, and that was one of the reasons is because I was teaching online, and I, I just went to countries the the few countries where we were allowed to go at first. But I move into an arbitrage unit and I just have, I just buy a bed and maybe a nightstand and I've got my backpack always with me. And I've got a storage unit, a little small storage unit that's sitting under underneath one of my one of my arbitrage units. So, yeah, I just move in and I slowly buy the furniture and fix the place up and get the pictures ready and get and, and get with my VA to help me get everything online. And I'm living there. And then once I'm done and it's ready to go. I'm, I'm literally, it's funny because I'm saying this because I, I'm literally moving out today. As soon as this podcast is over, I'm running over, taking all my stuff out. We have our first reservation at our arbitrage and I'm actually moving to one of the other apartments that that's available. Right. And so I've been bouncing around like this for nine years. And wow. so if you're nomadic or or you're able to do that. I mean, I know it's hard with a family, which I don't have. So it's, you, most people couldn't do that type of thing. But I'm ready to find. I'm looking. I've got leads for other arbitrage units right now. Yeah. So I'm curious, when it comes to the arbitrage units, are you still making a decent profit when you're you, you essentially you're signing a lease and then you're renting it out for like two or three months at a time? Like you're still making a decent margin there? And I was going to answer this in this in when you asked the question earlier about disadvantage of the 30 day leases. One of the things I'm I'm a little concerned about is uh, and it's not, you know, I'm still going to be making money off of, for for example, my house. I converted uh, my attic and a storage shed into tiny houses or studio apartments. So I am making those are paid off now. So I am making my mortgage, my insurance, and my utilities. All the utilities are on the same. It's all one one complex. I'm making my utilities, my insurance, my property tax, taxes, and my utilities long-term. 
Mm -hmm. So basically the way I look at it is right now, everything I book in the three bedroom house, the main house that I originally bought is profit. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, that answers your question as opposed to, you know, but also come August, September, the weather's going to start to get cooler football season hits. That's college football festivals going to start up. It's crazy how fast things pick up once the weather starts to cool down. And if I've got these guys in these long terms, I'm still I'm still doing OK, but I could be making more money with with short term, less than 30 days. And so there's there's another thing that's happening and is that TBEX, the biggest travel bloggers conference in the world, is coming to Lafayette in October. I've seen the impact directly because I've been to the last three conferences in North America and I've seen the impact uh, how what it has where you've got seven, eight hundred travel bloggers. And then within like a week of leaving this town, there's all magazine articles and blogs and photography and social media. And so it, it's exciting, not only for my travel blog, but also particularly for the short term rental business. Yeah. So, so that could be a disadvantage, leaving some money on the table if you've got long term versus short term. Once, if you're a seasonal place. Sure. So, when you do these long term guests, do you do you agree on a certain time frame up front, or do you just say like, hey, you could you can extend it on a monthly basis as long as you want? So the contract says that within this is a key part that's different from other contracts. The contract says that. With a 30-day notice, either party can cancel the contract as long as it's within the initial terms of the lease. So if that we sign, you know, we have someone right now that's in there for six months. So if it gets to the six-month point and they say, I want to extend, and they're paying rent on time every time, for any reason whatsoever, the contract says, well, no, you, you sign a six-month lease, you know, it, it's done. And so as far as most of the arbitrage leases that I sign, I negotiate six months because I want to see if, if, it, if it's going to work out or if there's any problems. And then typically it's, it's the, the people go month to month after that, after mm -hmm. you've done your six months. And so, so I'm, I'm actually signing a traditional long-term lease when I'm arbitraging, but my 30-day lease has got some different caveats in there you know, yeah where you can okay. just cancel yeah i imagine there's a way to to focus on these longer stays in the in the slow season and then make sure that you're you have your units ready for you know to rent that short term once the once the the baseball and the sports or the football what is it and yeah, all, yeah. all the events are back and it's and the festivals, temperature goes down festivals and football for us in the fall coming up that's just, i mean that's going to be the thing is and it's just generally people, even middle of the week events and things like that, we have people who come, you know, all of our houses except for one are, are, are very, very close into the downtown area. They're not even on the outskirts of downtown. They are like walking distance from everything. And so we can have people who live 30, 45 minutes away who still don't want to drive home at night after an event and they'll book an Airbnb. Hmm are one of our short-term rentals. 
And again, by far, as far as I'm aware, I manage, you know, many more properties than anyone else really in this community. And so I've, I've got to kind of have a different strategy. I think I keep, I'm probably one of the few people, if not only person in town that has a pricing software. And, and, you know, and I, I, we, we have a virtual assistant who like watches it every day and then like goes to Instagram and Facebook and, and promotes the places that aren't booked that, that night. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not a whole lot of people in our community that are doing that. And then just this 30 day lease thing, just like, you know, probably not something that most of us here in Lafayette have to worry about. But I, I, I can tell you it really is, 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 during the summertime. This is another thing too, is that I've had people managing these things for me in the past. And this is the first time that I've spent a summer in Lafayette and I've lived here almost all of my life in 10 years. This is even when I was teaching in a classroom, I was always, I mean, graduation, the day after graduation, I would fly out that afternoon sometimes (laughs) and then come home. We would have a meeting, always a staff meeting right before classes started two or three days. And I did that for for 10 years. And so I had a flight booked to Tokyo, Japan, and it was actually canceled because of COVID in mid-May. And so I just buckled down and said, look, I'm just going to sit back. And I, I just didn't realize how slow it was and how, you know, like even just, you know, going around in, in, in town. But there's there's more than one reason for that. We talked about the, the gas prices and the economy and things like that with travelers. So, so it's really made a big difference to go back to that strategy of the, of the short term. Yeah. So what are some, what's some advice for people who are listening to this and thinking like, Hey, I might want to try out the 30 plus stay model for, for some, for some units. Like what are some do's or don'ts or, or learning lessons? I think the big one is first to make sure that you when you when you meet with your attorney to draw up the lease that he understands all the aspects of 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 what you're trying to do and we mentioned a lot of them already on the podcast and make sure that it it's it's written it's 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 a unique type of lease to me it's very it's like you're basically doing a, a an agreement for short term mixed with long term and i think that 30 day policy where you can end it and you you don't have to commit to to more than so many months more than the months that are actually on the lease and then have you ever heard of zillow zillow yes yeah yeah, for sure is it in i don't even know if it's international or i don't think it's international but you know i'm familiar with the website yeah now now that's not to say that we it, it does a very good job i mean but we have we, you know, we've been doing social media with the company quite a bit. So we've actually, we can actually make a post on social media. Hey, this is, this apartment is available, you know, furnished, utilities paid for, you know, one month or more. And just contact us, email us, as opposed to going, we going to our website or going through Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that, that those were would be two big things is to make sure you're very meticulous about how the lease is written up and then secondly you know th- that that website for marketing 
we, when I said we we post things on social media, we we really have had to post very little. We get a lot of traction because there's people on Zillow all day long looking for unfurnished apartments to live in temporarily. Yeah, um, yeah. Your apartments are furnished, right? Yeah. So so that's the thing is I've had I've had people say, "Can we get this apartment unfurnished?" They were interested in booking it, you know, even with the they were they, they weren't even trying to negotiate the monthly rate. But we said no. And the reason why is because, you know, you know, it's just a quick phone call and say, hey, look, this is a short term rental. When you move out, we want to convert it back and we don't want to move all the furniture out and move it all back in. That's not what we're trying to do. We're looking for somebody who needs two months, three months, four months. That's going to save a tremendous amount on both ends on the on the commission from the OTAs and then also, you know, have the flexibility immediately convert it back into a short term rental. Yeah. Now, the last some of the last guests we did, they wanted their own mattress and that was and they're going to be there for six months. And so, uh, you know, that was important to them. They, you know, they took out like a few other things, coffee maker. They had their own coffee maker or something like that. And we just put that in storage. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to empty out the yeah. entire and apartment. No, no. I know. I mean, we actually said no. I mean, like talking about like actual. Some of the places have larger beds, and you know, some of the people, you know, even like cooking utensils and pots and pans and all that. They were like, "Oh, that's great." We we just go. Mm-hmm. They just usually have to put their stuff in storage. Yeah. Do you so, offer? Do you offer any type of services during the stay, like a cleaning service or something like that? <laughs> we don't. And, you know, I've thought about that. You know, I'm, I'm been going to a lot of more conferences than even before when I was first starting it. And they were talking about upselling things even for your short term. There's even companies now, many companies now that are, that are coming out that that's, that's where their focus is, is helping guys like you and I upsell but for the long-term renters, in the lease, I, I remember reading this whenever we, we went and pulled the lease back out, was that there, there was something in there where we would come in for a certain fee. And of course, it's the size of the house. We have one-bedroom studio apartments. We have three, four-bedroom houses. And so the exact amount, I don't remember, but it was something like in the area, $25 an hour, we figured out what it would cost. And we would come and do a cleaning for them, you know, once a week mm-hmm. if they wanted to, but they would have to pay extra. Yeah. But it wasn't like included. And uh, to be honest, even the short term people who rent for three weeks, uh, we rarely get any requests for anything like that. And people really, I really feel like when you, people who want to stay in a hotel, that's one of the differences. They ex- almost expect somebody to come every day, but people actually choose short term rentals. Because they're like, you know, I don't want anybody coming into my room. And I, I've stayed in places where they didn't even ask. It just, it just, they just, it just happens. Yeah. And I think they, I think people just prefer to like come in. People really like the fact that they just have a key code and they don't see anybody. They come in, stay there and, and leave. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned Hospitable Host, the book that you wrote a, a chapter in. I know a lot of our Legends X students are in that book as well. And then you met up with some of the students as well, uh, some of the other students who are also in the book at a, at a conference, huh? Yeah. So 
I kind of did this when I went and met you guys in Amsterdam. I had gone up to the northeast part of of the United States when we did Legends. And so this thing about, you know, going through the pandemic and everybody getting on Zoom and then you literally uh, feel like you kind of know these people and you've met them before. And I did this with Legends X. I went and I ended up meeting four, I think at least three or four people that were in the training with us, but actually meeting in person and knowing them for two years. You know, and it's not just email, you know, we're on video and talking and things like that. But, you know, it's just a whole nother experience to meet someone face to face. And then the same thing happened in Nashville. We went to the um, a short term rental conference there and we, we kind of got together and said, like, look, this is going to be the event in the United States because there's authors from seven different countries. And so I think out of the 40 authors, there were about 18 of us there. And we planned to meet up in Nashville. I wasn't planning on going, but I was supposed to be in Japan. And I was I was going to go to the Philippines to meet my same kind of concept. My plan this summer was to go meet my virtual assistants yeah. that I've never met before. And then to get there and meet Julie George and Mark Simpson and Sergio and like some people that Julie was our coach, actually. And so, you know, as soon as we got to the conference, everybody's at this at this rooftop bar and promoting the book and doing signings and people are coming up and and taking pictures with us and stuff like that. So it was it was really cool to meet those people in person that you, you know, you knew for a couple of years now. Yeah. 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 I had the same experience a month ago or so in Mexico where we met with our mastermind members. and. You know, with the same feeling. It's like, oh, I talked to this person so many times, but it's like you said, it's just, it's just different when you meet each other in person. And yeah, I'm excited to go to more conferences as well. Now that now that COVID is behind us, knock on wood that it doesn't come back. With yeah, I'm ex- yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing better than meeting you know meeting like-minded people and and people in the space in in real life. Yeah, I'm signed up for, we use Guesty for hosts, so, and I'm signed up for Guesty Val in Austin, and Sean McGregor is there, so I'm sure we're going to meet up again. It was interesting, too, when we got to Nashville, is that, you know, there were like 18 of us there, but immediately the Legends X people, like, we kind of clicked together, and we sat together during all the conferences. We went out that night together. That was kind of interesting how that immediately happened, and then... TBEX is also doing, they do one international and one North America conference. Yes. And so I'm, of course, going to be here for the Lafayette one here in town. And then I'm signed up for the one in Phuket, Thailand in November. So that's their international one. So, you know, that's kind of, I've been looking for a niche for the travel blog. And I, I, I'm wondering if you've ever heard of anybody doing anything like this. I've been looking for five years now. What's going to be my niche? I've tried photography, all these different things. And I was talking to Mark Simpson about this. And I was like, you know, when I was in Columbia, there was a there was a place that I stayed that had 12 units and they got 100 percent of their bookings through Instagram Oh wow! because they had hired an influencer to come in and promote. And I was like, what if I become the guy who like connects short term rental brands, the companies that 
are at the conferences and promoting their brands with the travel bloggers and the influencers and like kind of be the niche of connecting those two. Yeah. And so it's something that I'm, I'm keeping in the back of my mind and I can still promote Airbnbs that I stay in whenever I short-term rentals, whenever I'm traveling around, but I'm making a lot of contacts too in this, in this travel blogging uh, yeah. space. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I started as a travel blogger. I had a blog to travel yeah. Dutchman, which is still online actually. And I've been to those TBAX conferences and that was actually the reason, the reason I wrote a book about Airbnb, Get Paid for Your Pad, was because I recognized that you have to, you have, to have a small niche because there's so many people writing blogs. So if anybody's listening to this, if you, if you ever want to write your own blog, make sure that you choose something extremely specific because otherwise you're just going to be lost in the masses. Like no one will actually find you. Yep. you know, and it's that's, a huge theme. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you know, just kind of tying that back to Airbnb, you know, we just did a, a workshop for, for the entire community and like a couple hundred people came and, and work, workshop with us. We, we taught them some of the stuff we teach in Legends X, one of them being the guest avatar. So kind of tying it into that, you know, any business or anything you do, you have to really understand who your customer is and you have to target a very specific type of customer because otherwise you get lost in in the in the masses and i think that's true on airbnb that's true with travel blogging that's true of any any type of business that you do yeah and it's a theme of the conferences i i also attended two travel cons that are put on by nomadic matt and then i went to a couple of tbexes before the pandemic hit and it was really the theme like in almost every meeting you went to they were like find a niche find a niche yeah and i got an idea from my friend cash you know he would do you know his niche was luxury hostels and i thought that was really interesting and he was like man yeah he actually that was the he was on a panel and that was the talk is like how to find your niche there was another guy who just blogged about pittsburgh and he he has five travel blogs I've got to meet him a few other times since then. And he like, that's where he makes his money. He makes his money through the Pittsburgh mm -hmm. one, even though he's got four other blogs. And it's because that's all he, yeah. he blogs about. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, having a, having a, a blog where you write about your own markets can be a really powerful tool, not just to attract guests, but also to attract property owners in your, into your business. Like my property manager in Colombia, he has a blog called The Cali Adventurer. And he just writes about Cali, which is the city in Colombia. And yeah. his blog just shows up. Every, every time I Google something about Cali, his blog shows up. Right? So that's awesome. That's a, SEO, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful strategy. Like if you, if you want to expand your business in a certain market, just starting a blog where you write about your town, like what's happening, what are the coolest neighborhoods, the activities... You just like every week you write one blog post and over time, within a few years, you know, people are going to find you, right? That's a really strong, powerful way. It's a long-term strategy. You know, it's not going to drive results within a couple months, but if you can keep the consistency and you enjoy writing, then that's a very powerful marketing tool, both for, for the guest side and, uh, and finding clients to manage as well. I actually messaged you because I was in Cali when we had kind of this, that period of the resurgence. And 
I, I remember messaging you. I, I've been to Colombia like four or five times, and that's one of my favorite countries. And and so yeah, I remember getting there, and I was traveling around Colombia from city to city, and I was so excited about going salsa dancing in, in Cali. And they literally shut it down like the day before I got there. They like put a curfew at ten o'clock and said no no salsa dancing or things like that because we had had like one of the resurgence i still yeah. had a great time there's a, a cajun restaurant there which was right also on. bizarre yeah so that was pretty interesting it had like a lot of new orleans stuff as well but it was like cajun food and taught, the waitress told me that the the owner was actually from louisiana so and married right. a Colombian. So that's that was really cool. That was I remember that was one of my highlights because I couldn't go out dancing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, it was great to great to have you back on the show, man. Let everybody know where they can find you if they want to contact you or or find out more about what you do. Social media wise, I use the Cajun Traveler as the name of my travel blog. And so we're mainly focused on Facebook and Instagram. That's where mainly where my market is. And so that's how people can contact me. It's it's the CajunTraveler.com. You can click the link on the social media, but Facebook and Instagram, definitely. And yeah, and if you're, you know, one of the things about, about this book, you know, we're not making any profits as the author as all of our profits are going to charity to help the displaced children that's happening, you know, with the Ukraine war. And so that's something that really changed my mind about getting involved in this project. And so, yeah, one of going through and reading the book, you know, a lot of it is about our stories. But man, I got some advice. Like we were asked to give our biggest tips as uh, to end out our chapter, and I got some incredible advice. And even even from some of the guys that I did Legends X with, you know, some things that I had never thought of. So yeah, so, yeah. Sean was actually generous enough to send me a copy of the book, so I'm I'm about halfway through. It's cool to read the stories. Uh, although, like you mentioned, a lot of a lot of them are were in Legends X, so I already knew them. But but yeah, it's awesome that you yeah. guys are donating the proceeds. So let let the people know where if they want to buy the book, like where where can they go? Yeah, so there's a link from hospitablehost.com, or if you just want to go to Amazon, Amazon Books, yeah. and so you can just type in Hospitable Hosts, and it'll it'll pop right up. The day that it came out, it was a bestseller in six different categories. So, and it still kind of stayed on that, on that list. So we had three already published authors that were the, the first three chapters of the book. So that helped quite a bit. Got it. Awesome. Well, Toby, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you uh, coming back on the show. It's been almost five years. So mark the, mark the date, July, 2027. I'm going to hit you up and we'll do another podcast. All right. All right, man. Okay, cool, man. Thank you Good so much. You and for our listeners, uh, thanks for listening. Eric and I will be back on Friday, of course, with another episode. So have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short rental professionals. Really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you are looking to grow your Airbnb business, then we have a great opportunity for you because we just opened up enrollment for our next class of our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program, Legends X. The program is designed to help you scale your hosting business by getting you out of the daily operations 
so you can free up time and really become the CEO, the owner of your business instead of the person that's doing all the work in your business. So you can focus on high-level tasks that really move the, move the needle in your business and allow you to grow. So if that's interesting to you, then check out sdrlegends.com slash x. Uh, applications are now open and when you apply for the program we're going to get on a call with you to really figure out if it's the right fit for you we don't want to just enroll everybody into the program we're really looking for the right people people that we can bring the most value to so we're only looking for 30 companies Um, we're almost there already Uh, so we do have a few spots left Um, So if you are interested in growing your business, then uh, don't wait, just apply. That's really the best way to find out if uh, if the program is the right fit for you. So go ahead, go to strlegends.com slash x to learn more about the program. And we look forward to seeing your application. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.